Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings, cartoon connoisseurs, and welcome to the Animation Conversation, where we explore the art form from pencils to pixels. And now, here are your hosts, Rusty Shackleford and F. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Animation Conversation. I'm Rusty here with my co-host. Hey, everybody. It's uh, your old pal F. What's up, party people? There we go. And uh, I'll go ahead and let you take over, F, from here. Uh, this one, This one's all you again. Well, I am I am delighted to uh, have this person on the show because, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about cartoons and we talk a lot about, uh, you know, cartoons as entertainment and cartoons as uh, escapism. But um, I'm really excited today to talk about animation as art. And our, our guest today uh, teaches it as just that. Please welcome... The uh, producer, director, writer, and everything else of uh, Roundhead and Boxhead, as well as a million other uh, short films that are just uh, gorgeous to look at, Elliot Cowan. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. First welcome. of all, thank you, thank you for um, coming on the show. And uh, by the way, your your backdrop is a, if I'm not mistaken, probably a sample of your work. It is. <laughs> I would like to, right out of the gate, once you're done watching or listening to the show, run right out and uh, go to Elliot's uh, website, and we'll put the link in the description. Yeah, his website his... is Elliot, Elliot, Elliot. That's as, I mean, <laughs> it's as simple as it can be, .com, so there you go. Check, do do yourself a favor, check out his artwork, uh, buy it en masse, and uh, you can thank me for pointing you in his direction later. I, I agree. So, um, Elliot, tell tell us um, you you are a professor of animation. Tell us where and how long, and tell us about that. Oh, I've been I, I, I've been teaching everywhere on sort of the East Coast for ten something years since I got my work permit here. I have taught almost everywhere, or I've done some time almost everywhere, but most <laughs> uh, at length was uh, a, a Pratt. I taught at Pratt for a long time. In Brooklyn, I taught at UArts in Philadelphia for a long time. Uh, and other than that, my main roster this semester and la of the last eight, ten years is uh, Queens College, which is down the street, um, mm. Mercy College, which is in Westchester. Uh, I've been at NYIT for two years, which is in uh, Long Island and the city. And I have for uh, my second semester, I've got an online class at the uh, at MassArt. Oh, Hello. Did you give me a minute for love? I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This is my youngest who's just decided to walk through. I now have a bird on my head, which you probably can't see. There we go. There you go. <laughs> well, you and that bird, man. That's the bird. Yeah, so that's where I've been teaching. And I have taught pretty much everything from um, storyboarding, animation, motion graphics, all sorts of stuff. Oh, the bird is now gone. <laughs> i got to get rid of this bird and my youngest. Come on, shoot. <laughs> see this this is what i love about podcasting and this yes, this is right. what i did this was inevitable <laughs> oh yeah no this is oh, yeah. fantastic that's the, now the bird i'm assuming is a collaborator of yours you probably consult uh, the bird i hate the bird so so deeply i wish it would fly away and never come back <laughs> why is it why is it in your presence because my 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 sweet darling eldest child wanted a cockatiel and we bought one, and the bird is a menace. It is like having a gigantic, angry mosquito. Yeah. It is obsessed with me. It must be on me all the time. 
and it is uh, destructive and noisy, and I don't care for it at all. I do not like the bird. <laughs> yes, if you if you uh, want want some laughs, by all means, uh, follow Elliot on Twitter because uh, he will semi frequently um, post photographs of this bird tormenting him in any number of uh, inappropriate ways. At the moment, he's a little hormonal, so he's he's oh like, no. Yeah, so he's obsessed with my youngest, and so he's always like fighting for her. So I go near her and he bites. It's just he's a rotten animal. I can't stand it. Yikes! Sounds like a short well, film. Said, it sounds like a short film. A man being antagonized by a bird. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what it is like. Are you familiar with the uh, Tex Avery short, uh, Billy Boy? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, bye, bye, bye. It's exactly yeah. the same. That's so funny. I take the bird, and I put it in a box, and I put it in a crate, and I fly to the moon. And I turn around, and there's the bird on my shoulder. <laughs> just, just, re- just replace the goat with a bird, and that's uh, that's your. So, so um, before we get into the present day, take us, take us back to a young Elliot, and take us yes. back to the the uh, you know genesis of uh, Elliot the artist. Okay, well, I've always, I mean, it's my earliest memory is drawing, and making stuff, making puppets, actually, a lot. Um, uh, I have very early memories of loving animation, but having very young, not really having a, an understanding of how it was done. Because of course, in the in the seventies and early eighties, uh, there was no YouTube. There wasn't a way to find out this stuff. And Australia was might as well, you know, like living in the country. So there was <laughs> no real schools for animation as such. So there was nowhere to find out where to do it. But I was definitely obsessed with it. I loved it. Um, uh, I did not love a lot of the Saturday morning cartoons that a lot of people are obsessed with. <laughs> uh, I could just tell they were kind of like crappy and cheap, and I wasn't in love with the drawings. Um, even though a lot of those things were made in Australia, all those Smurfs cartoons were made in Australia. A lot of that early, late 70s uh, Hanna-Barbera was all made in Sydney. I don't know if you know that, but it's a case. I don't know that, actually. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, 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 I'm a big Hanna-Barbera fan, too, so I didn't I didn't know they were... They were done there. No, That's crazy. Of that stuff. Disney had a studio there for a very long time, actually, hmm. in Sydney. So um, I watched all that. I didn't love it. I was very into puppets, so I was crazy about um, uh, the Muppets, of course. Uh, I was crazy about a local puppet show called uh, Shell's Neighborhood, which <laughs> was an interesting uh, uh, sort of note. Uh, there was a, the, the main puppeteer and character designer on Shell's Neighborhood was called a man called Ron Muick. <laughs> who Ron Muick went on to then puppeteer um, Ludo for Henson in uh, Labyrinth, and then oh. went on to, yeah, then went on to a career creating um, like gigantic, like photorealistic sculptures of human beings. Hmm. Look him up, M U E C K. Ron Muick, you'll recognize his work. He's incredible. I think I already know who you're talking about. Yeah, sure you do. Uh, so that was that that was the main thing I was into. Oh, Sesame Street, of course, which is a mixture of animation and um, and puppeteering. And the other thing that I've talked about before that was a huge influence on me was uh, around the '60s and '70s, Australia, which was largely a still is a white country, <laughs> had an influx of migrants from across Europe, from across the Middle East uh asia uh, to the country and to facilitate this new influx of immigrants they started a television station a channel that would run stuff like the chinese news the the news from greece uh i remember the iranian version of the nanny ran for quite a while Uh, (laughs) and for no kidding four hours on a sunday they played a mix of uh, animated shorts from around the world. So what I was looking at was a lot of stuff that no one else was going to watch. <laughs> I, I liked a lot because I liked very much that idea that I was uh, privy to this secret world of animation that no one was looking at. And this 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 chunk of animation had uh, sort of cut out animation from Japan. It had uh, Indian animation, and it had something I liked the most, which was bizarre which was kind of a uh, a czechoslovakian version of the muppet show yeah. if you look at, it was called the ixalan show you can't really find a lot of it online but if you look at it now no kidding it looks like it was made in like 1910 but i loved <laughs> it. it literally just puppets miming to to like right. like kind of 
cheesy puppets uh, miming to, to to popular songs from the 30s that were probably out of copyright, I would guess. <laughs> that was a huge influence on me as well. So I was into all this stuff, very much so. I still wasn't entirely sure how it worked. But that's the now, when you, when you say, sorry to interject, but when you say into, when, at how, at what age do you feel like you it as first early, sort of struck you? As early as I can remember. Wow, fantastic. Earliest memories, drawing, puppets, animation. And was pretty much all I was into. No interest in sport. No interest in right. sport. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is the other big thing in Australia, after all. It really is. And actually, it's kind of a difficult thing to grow up in Australia and not be into sport. It's like... Who is that weird kid who doesn't want to run? <laughs> yeah. Same in Texas. I, I Growing up in Texas like that, too, is kind of the same thing. If you're not into sports, you're like, well, you're not, you know, you're the outlier kind of thing. No kidding. It, I, had uh, I, I, I have to interject this. Uh, Elliot, and I'm not joking here, uh, Rusty here is British. Oh, I know. We talked about it. Yeah, we oh, just okay. had a we just had a quick conversation well, before you hopped on, and uh, I'm actually from the the same place as his mother. So, oh, yeah. wow, yeah. it's amazing. Now, now, see, visa right vis vis you know, being from uh, Australia, not being into sports and that stuff. I'm from Michigan, and I don't give a shit about cars. Oh, sure. I just don't. I want whatever's smallest and most practical. So, yeah, I, I know that feeling. One of my best buddies uh, uh, studied animation in Detroit. And uh, his department was like wrapped up into like the the train department, <laughs> it was, it was like animation and trams or some shit like that. Now, see, it's it's interesting to me going back to what you're talking about because uh, my goodness, I, I I should have known you were going to bring up puppets because, uh, and and I should have known I would have had this reaction because I love me some puppets. Oh sure. Um, and and I I feel like this doesn't get vocalized that much much. You know, puppets are kind of the evolutionary precursor would you not say to cartoons oh absolutely they are abstract performances totally yes. right it yes. was it was the original way to caricature hmm. um things and people in the most absurd possible way and do it for the purpose of telling a story so i feel like you know the puppetry is is sort of is a very close cousin to animation and should absolutely, be studied yes. more often i i um, use um very specifically, I use a lot of Muppet clips in my animation classes because those listening, if you want to look it up, and I'll tell you why I use it, go look up um, um, uh, Frank Oz and Jim Henson performing um, uh, uh, Sam the Eagle and Rolf the Dog doing uh, Tit Willow, which is Gilbert and Solomon. Mm. If you wow. don't know, look it up. And, and what I like to do is I play it for my class and I say, well, let's talk about the emotions of each character. And then you look at how those characters are performed right you look at rolf the dog for example and they say yeah. oh, Rolf's happy and he's uh joyous and he's interested but rolf has no articulation other than this rolf yeah. can't blink rolf can't roll his eyes he can't but those puppeteers know how to make it look like he's doing that very thing yep so uh and you know i think it's actually richard williams was also very big on talking uh -huh. about lip sync for uh using the muppets for lip sync yeah because they sort of projected that face forward you know the muppets always talk forward like that They're oh really yeah you're puppeteering because they bring the words forward <laughs> yeah i've i that's that's always been sort of um one of my one of my sort of litmus tests or my perhaps uh you know biased way that i grade puppeteers is is through the lip sync and through the you know and and my you know my I guess John Lennon of puppetry is Dave Goals, who was oh sure yeah yeah he he was Gonzo he yeah. was you know he 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 was Zoot he was uh, like to me like obviously nobody can touch Jim Henson or Frank Oz just for sheer like you know in in reality they're sort of the John Lennon and Paul McCartney but if yeah. boy if there's if there's a George Harrison it's Dave Goals you know what's interesting about Dave Goals as 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 a vocal performer. You can hear Jim Henson in every voice he does. Yep. And you can hear Frank Oz in every voice he does. But Dave Gold's speaking voice is unlike every character he plays. He does yeah. not sound like his characters. Yeah. And that's that's why I, I count him among all of the Henson performers. I consider him the best overall puppeteer. Like you know, he he didn't he didn't create the way necessarily you know Oz and uh, Henson did, but boy, as a as a puppet actor, um, he he 
was second to none. And and by the way, I feel the same way about George Harrison. I feel like he's vastly underrated as the Beatles go. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, it's it. I I find it uh, incredibly because uh, because now tell me if you if you work this into your lessons as well. Because one of the things that I feel that students can relate puppets to animation, nothing will make you a better storyteller or a better, you know, uh, artist in any regard than working with limitations. Uh, yes. And puppets, yes. as you I just agree. said, Rolf the dog had, yeah. like, whereas Kermit can make a thousand different facial expressions, Rolf can make zero, well, and yet well, he was beloved. Even Kermit, though, Kermit doesn't blink. Kermit no. doesn't have a squashy enough head. Yeah. But... So he's even he's limited himself to squash, scratch, squash, stretch his yeah. animation, really. But yeah, uh, but yeah. that's something. <laughs> totally. No, I, I Rolf, agree. Rolf, Rolf, and yet Rolf was beloved, and Rolf, people related to Rolf, and Rolf, like I loved him. Rolf was the first Muppet, really. Well, first. That's Muppet. right. That's right. In fact, a handful of those first Muppets were hard-headed, like things. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so you're you're growing up in Australia, and as early as you can remember, it's puppets and cartoons. How does that evolve as as you're growing up? Like what? Well, I built a lot of puppets when I was growing up, and I had an idea that I wanted to be a puppeteer. But growing up in Australia during you know the seventies and eighties, the idea of being a puppeteer was only slightly less ludicrous, I mean, slightly more ludicrous than saying you <laughs> want to be in animation. So I was like, I guess I'll be in animation. Um, I still didn't really know how, how it worked. There was no, well, by the time I got to university, Cal Arts was around, but I think at the time for an overseas student to, student to go and study at Cal Arts, it was something like 90 grand a year or something bananas like yeah. that. That's probably what it is now just to go locally. <laughs> it's always been expensive. And, and I've, I've always said there's no way they would have taken me. No, no, no. That's the thing. Exactly. And, uh, and so what did I, I just kind of like what I ended up doing in university was I studied graphic design and illustration because at the time uh, in Australia, it's probably changed. But at the time, if you're studying graphic design, you would be taking illustration as well. They went hand in hand. And of course, I was always drawing. So it seemed like the next step. But I knew I wanted to work in animation. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I did. <laughs> and uh, basically, I started working in a small studio literally the day after a our last day of school, I did the industry screening night. I started working for a guy in a little studio um, where he quickly worked out that I could work very quickly and he didn't have to do any work anymore. So <laughs> I, <laughs> we were doing um, pilots for MTV Asia. Literally, that's all we did. They'd send us a script, like a 10-minute script, and oh, wow. I would animate and sort of semi-direct uh, a pilot. It was like five to five, five to seven minutes probably. And it was all garbage. It was like the supermodels. It's the only one I remember. The <laughs> supermodels. A bunch of like skinny, dumb supermodel characters. And what else? I, do? I can't even remember. But then I went from there and I kind of escaped. I went to Tasmania for 12 years where I made uh, more animated commercials and directed like mountains of low budget live action commercials for the local market and the, and the national market. And then I got to the point where I was like, well, you know what happened actually? Blogging happened. Blogspot happened. <laughs> all of a sudden, all the animation guys from around the world who hadn't seen each other for a long time, because for a long time, animation was a nomadic existence, right? Uh, especially outside of the US, right? Especially in Europe, because they could travel between countries. And a lot of the people that I knew of were constantly going from Germany to Berlin, da 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 right? Oh, that never occurred to me. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, I had all these animation guys were on Blogspot and they were connecting with each other for the first time in a long time. A lot of expats had gone to the US, a lot of US guys had moved to the UK who hadn't been in touch with each other for a long time, but the internet brought everyone together. And I started connecting very strongly with um, Uli Meyer. Do you know Uli? Um, not the name. The name is ringing a major bell, but I'm not. You would have seen his work. Uli Uli Meyer ran a commercial studio in in London for a very long time and produced tons of commercials for the um the uh the, the american market he did a lot of um the last things he was doing you probably would have seen were raid commercials in that real jack davis style oh i ah i love those commercials those and i love words. that you i love that you pointed out that those were in jack davis style because if yeah, there's yeah. If there's any one sort of cartoonist that I've tried to emulate more in my life, it's Jack Davis. Well, so. Jack 
Jack, Jack did design all those in the 60s, I think, and the style came back. Yeah. And Orly ran the studio for the longest time in London. Um, and I connected with him and, I, and excuse me, and it was, I was living in Tasmania for a long time and it was, I, I was either going to live there forever or move on to something else. Not so happens, as I mentioned before, my folks are from the UK, they lived in Australia almost their entire lives, but because they're from the UK, I get a British passport. So I went to the UK to work and I was working mostly for Orly on various, um, hi, on various, um, uh, 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 feature film projects that never happened. I have a bird on my head. Could you please go away, lobby? That does. Hello. That doesn't look like a bird. That looks like a small human. Oh, and now there's a, lar a larger human. Yeah. Layla, you say hi and bye. Hello. Yeah, you can. See I've got one of you. So I moved to the UK, and I lived in London for a while, uh, which I hated every minute of, and uh, I um. Worked for Ollie. Now, Ollie was working on various um, feature film projects. I think it was a real dream of Ollie's to um, to uh, direct a feature. And Ollie was one of these guys, he's still around, uh, who was um, a very classic Disney style. He had that... Um, I don't really want to compare him to Richard Williams because it's not really that kind of style, but Milk Carl is probably the the best reference all is very right. dedicated to that full animation style all right you gotta go or no ice cream later okay <laughs> ice cream later you gotta go okay shoot okay. ice cream later yeah you get more ice cream <laughs> close the door anyone um and uh, he was constantly trying for years to get <laughs> get feature film projects made and sadly none of them came together but uh, out of that studio came someone like Neil Ross, whose work you do you know Neil Ross? I, again, not personally, but you yes, I mean, Neil yeah. Ross um, uh, uh, did all did a bunch of backgrounds for my Box and a Roundhead movie. But you wouldn't know his work specifically in animation from Spider Verse. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, which in my, even though uh, uh, what's his name Miguel can't remember the guy who was the original art director on that film production designer but yeah. in, in in my mind spider-verse at least the first one or neil was on both really defined the look of those films in my opinion oh yeah um and uh who else was there um michael very who, very few animated features if i can interject very few animated features where you're like wow the star of this movie is the art direction Sure, sure. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, the 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 the, the recent Spider-Man movies or whatever. My son loved them. That he like specifically he liked them because of the art style that was used. You know, you you can talk about you can talk about scripts and you can even talk about you know directors uh, all you want, but uh, it's very. I feel like it's very seldom that a that an animated feature film. You know, you see lots of very stylized animated TV shows. Sure. where you notice the art direction but not a whole feature film and man uh Sp spider-verse really just says look at our great art direction you know what else um, you will know of neil's is neil did neil designed all the underworld stuff for uh the corpse bride oh, oh awesome yeah that's, that's beautiful gorgeous. stuff yeah that's yeah yeah. Neil stuff. yeah yeah now see what i i want to go back to you because you were doing commercials and i find commercials to be a uh yet another one of those uh, tools for young animators that I that I wish more people would do because um, I, I actually got to teach at CalArts for a while and I one of the one of the tortures I would put my students through is I would tell them you've got to um, you know storyboard a story for me that has you know beginning middle and end conflict and resolution all the elements of a real story and it's got to be um, no more than 60 seconds long. And yeah. they'd be like, oh, that's impossible, that's impossible, that's impossible. And I'm like, commercials do it all the time. Commercials, if you watch commercials, that is a master class oh, sure. in efficient storytelling. Uh, I did it for a long time. And I and I, I actually, one of the reasons I, I, I left Australia was because I could not deal with another <laughs> commercial. I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> and actually, since I've been here, I've made... I think done a couple of commercial gigs and they were just a freaking nightmare because <laughs> dealing with dealing with advertising people is the worst. And I did it for years and I hate it so deeply. I couldn't do it anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It's a, it's a real way to learn efficient storytelling. You said 60 seconds. It's actually usually 30. <laughs> right. Well, that, that would actually, that would be my next assignment because they would, I, they would say, oh, it can't be done. And I'd be like, guess what? You're going to do it. And they would do it. And they'd be like, wow, this is the best thing I've ever done. And I'd be like, that's great. Now do one in 30 seconds. It is and, actually, it's a, it's a real skill. And uh, one of my, and it really taught me what is the most efficient way to get from A to Z when you're telling stories. And in fact, sometimes I do some work with Cartoon Saloon. Sometimes I have to like force myself to like, you know, we've got room to breathe here. We can actually explore a little more. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, no, let's just get it from here to here and get it done. Yeah, that's yeah, story. yeah. We don't need to do anymore. But, you know, I, I learned to back off a little bit there. But yes, yeah, totally. I agree. Um. Well, and what's funny is um, I, I won't go into the whole story, but my that that assignment, their their final assignment for um, my story class was always to do a thirty second story with no dialogue, um, and everything needs to be in silhouettes. Oh, I have a and, similar storyboarding assignment. Yeah, yeah, and and of course they all go, oh, it can't be done, it can't be done, and they they wind up creating like the best stuff they've ever <clears throat> created in their lives. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, so, okay, so so you're you're doing you're doing a bunch of commercials. Um, at what at what point? Um, well, you said you got you you just kind of got tired of commercials. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't deal with clients anymore. Right. I couldn't do it. So I moved to the UK. I didn't know what exactly I was going to do, but you know, I sold my house, so I had some, some financial support, and I went to work for Uli. Uh, and while I was there, I'd actually gone to the UK with what I had assumed was a book project, which was my box and a roundhead project and it was, right. it was a project and as i've discussed before you know i was like I need something that's kind of scary but not threatening but you know i talked earlier about um watching this animation on a sunday afternoon from japan and from jakarta and from wherever the hell it was ran and knowing that you know i'm i'm part of this secret club that's watching this thing and I was like, I need to, um, that's my sort of my, 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 my drive is like, I don't really want to do what everyone else is doing. It's not really what I'm interested in. So I want to make something that's kind of different. And I took it there, uh, with three stories, three box and roundhead stories. And, and I got a lot, I sent it to everyone and I actually got a lot of really good feedback. Uh, but the feedback was always this. We love it. It's amazing. We could never sell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was either what the hell is this or it was like we love it but we we, we just couldn't sell this and i was kind of <laughs> after three stories i'd started to develop them as characters more and uh so i'm like i don't want to put this down yet let's let's make a short so i took the first three stories and started just animating them they're done very simply uh in after effects in fact they're all done in after effects um and then it just sort of developed from there it was uh it was good i made them all at the coffee table i made something like nine shorts all sitting at the coffee table two of, them, <laughs> two of them i made in three of them i made in new york and the other six i made in london at the coffee table and then uh in between working and starting to teach i had the opportunity to um make the feature and it's a very boring story i'm going to tell you the briefest version when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Producer got hold of me. He was like, what are you doing with these characters? And I'm like, I don't know. Because I've been doing, I've been working in media for a long time. So when someone from a, someone calling themselves a producer from LA emails me, I'm like reasonably skeptical. I'm like, why? He's like, yeah. well, do something with them. And I'm like, well, I just had an idea that I'd like to do a feature. And he said, great. And I said, look, no one in America is going to give you money for this. <laughs> like, well, do you have a script? And I'm like, no, nah, let me write a script. So about a year later, I wrote like three or four drafts. I took it back to him. And this is about as interesting as the story gets. Uh, about a year after that, he came to me and said, you're right. No one in America has money for this, <laughs> but the Romanians have money for this. So the Romanian Office of Film and Television gave me money to make it. So I made my feature. I had a little help. I made it mostly during two summers. Um, it is, I have very mixed feelings about it, but mostly I like it. it. Took me a long time to like it. It looks like a film that was made during two summers on the, at the coffee table. <laughs> but I do watch other gigantic budgeted films and genuinely think, oh, I think I did a much better job of my $80,000 movie. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do actually think that often when I watch yeah. some giant Pixar film that doesn't really come together. Yeah. Well, when you, when you consider the amount of money that goes into an animated feature uh, and um, on stuff that never sees the light of day. Oh, sure. As opposed to an independent film like yours, where you you really have to make every little bit count. Yeah. Um, it really does just make you make you wonder, you know, why Hollywood doesn't or why anybody doesn't go, oh, wow, this director made this thing for, you know, 80 grand. Imagine what they could do. Forget about a hundred million, yeah, two oh, million, right. or or, uh, or five million. People have asked me would I make another one, and I said I would make another one, but I need to make it for more money. But I don't even need that yeah. much. And it is the sort of, I've always told there's three tiers of independent film. There is a Cartoon Saloon who made Wolf Walkers and Song of the Sea that I worked on both of those. Right. That's kind of the top tier independent animated film. Then there's Plimpton, for example, who manages to uh, rustle up enough dollars to do his thing. <laughs> and then there's the bottom tier, which is like me. <laughs> who's like, what it's like making an independent film like that. And I've described it like this before. It's basically like the weirdo in the neighborhood who brews his own beer. Who's always like, hey, you want to taste my beer? Come and try my beer. And like, oh, beer, fine, it's great. And then he his own beer and he's like, my, look at my beer, it's great. But no one really cares about his beer. No one's really that interested. No, one has, no one's compelled to drink the beer. Right. Take a sip because you know the guy. Oh, I'll drink the beer. Right. What, that's what my film is like. But go and watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. The Stressful Adventures of Boxing Around It. Which, which, by the way, that that sort of leads me into, and I I, I don't mean to get all hoity-toity here, but Wait, actually, yes, I actually yes, I do because the whole point of this conversation is animation as art. Yeah. You know, you you talk about um you know you're producing these things and people may or may not be into them. Blah 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 blah. What, Forget about you know animation specifically, but as an artist, yes. Um, what what is you like? What are you out for? What are you looking for when it comes to you know interaction with people other than yourself? I was an artist. Yeah, because uh, just to give you an example where I'm coming from, I came to terms with the fact a long time ago that I like an audience and I like a big audience and I like big yeah. laughs and I, I, I'm a, I'm a clown, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm that. Um, and therefore, you know, that's what my work has to reflect. I, I paint and I do stuff that absolutely nobody is interested in, but it makes me happy. But as a, as you know, at the end of the day, my form of art is one that I want to reach out to a whole bunch of people and I want to get big laughs and, you know, I'm Roger Rabbit. What is your, you know, what's your? <laughs> um, I got a quick fact, real fast. I got a quick fact about Roger Rabbit, real quick. Actually, uh, Uli Meyer worked on that. He's uncredited for it, but he worked on uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh wow! I, well, can I can tell you a story about that. Okay. Uh, 
I think he is credited, but it was his first. Uh, it was his first um, Hollywood job, I think, and he actually animated Dumbo. That was his. That was. Oh, like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's but awesome. But as a young animator, he was kind of pissed about that because he's like, I don't want to add all Dumbo garbage. I want to do Roger <laughs> Rabbit. Yeah. They gave him Dumbo to do, and that's an adult, funny. Like, what an idiot I am. Uh, all right, let me tell you my answer to that. You when, when you mean when I talk with friends or when I talk to an audience? No, when you think internally, like what are you doing it for? Like what's your what's your motivator? What's your you know why why create art? I don't know. It's like it's like <laughs> bungee jumping or uh, or uh, uh, joining the the military. It's a calling. I don't know why. I don't know why I do it. I I don't really question. I just know I'm driven to do it. Um, I I know that. I, I mean. And I think what happens with a lot of young people, and you'll relate to this, is you grow up with a lot of commercial media, Disney, TV, and you think, well, people love that. So that's what I want to do. Yeah. But sometimes you realize, I'll give you a perfect example, actually. Blue Sky Studios used to be nearby, right? Mm -hmm. The sadly departed Blue Sky. And I had a a lot of friends working there and a lot of friends trying to get me in there and i tried to get in there for the longest time i met people i sent my stuff in and one day i was like why do you want to work here and i'm like i know i want to work here i want to get paid regularly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do i like these movies no i don't i do not most of those blue skies movies are beautifully designed beautifully animated and they're Kind of, and they're crappy. I don't think though. I can't. There might be one off the top of my head I like a lot, but generally speaking, I think those Blue Sky films are not great. They're not great films at all. They're disposable amusement for mostly young people, right? Right. And then, and and that was a realization to me because I was like, you know, why am I trying to get into <laughs> the studios where I am not going to do well? There, I am not. I'm applying for jobs at Pixar, but I'm not going to do well at Pixar. Yeah. I don't. I don't like those films. They're all the same. Yeah. I mean, every Pixar film is essentially the same movie. It's annoying character and a straight character go on an adventure and a rescue and a chase. It's almost yeah. every Pixar film, right? Yeah, that's not the contribution I can bring to these films. They're not going to want me there. And once I came to that realization, I was like, oh, a burden has lifted. I don't need to worry about it. <laughs> I do what I want to do. I do my own stuff. And in fact, most of my animation career has been people seeing my work and saying, oh, come in and do your thing. Yeah. Very rare that I'm brought on to draw anyone else's stuff. That's very rare for me. And in fact, the last time it happened, I'll tell you, it's a good story. Um, uh, 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 Nathan Love in uh, New York, Studio in the City. Um, they must have gone all the way down the list and they needed some people come in to animate and they got to meet yeah. And um, they showed me the commercials, and the commercials were, uh, it was for Purdue Chicken. <laughs> so it was some very goofy, squashy chickens, and some very simple human being characters did very little movement, right? And I was like, oh, they want me to do the chickens, because that's kind of my thing. I'm a reasonably flamboyant animator and really good at fluffy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I got there. And I realized that those chickens were actually CG and they wanted me to do these people that were very subtle and very basic and really not my kind of thing. And I was like, I was a wreck. The entire right. production, I was getting in early, working on it. And on top of that, they go, oh, who's the guy you're working with? He's another Australian. I'm like, oh, that's hard enough. And they go, oh, he's ex-Disney. I'm like, no way. <laughs> the, the, the Disney style is not, not, not my thing. It's just not. I mean... I find if I get some time to lean into a role as an animator, I'm actually pretty good. But picking up on, like, competing with a Disney guy, I mean, Jesus Christ, that's not my thing. <laughs> but as it turns out, despite the fact that I was an absolute wreck for, like, the month of production, like, I didn't sleep, I was sweating, I was like, they're going to find out I'm a fraud. This is very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> very unlikely. Uh, uh, clearly the director didn't care for me, I don't think. <laughs> but... Uh, but I look back on it now and I'm like, this is great. I did a good job of this. I don't know what I was worried about. Yeah. Yeah. But the point I was going to make has gone out of my brain. Oh, yes, is that I, is that it's, it's rare that I'm brought on to do a particular gig, work with someone else's character. It turned out 
I was pretty good at it in that instance. I was going to make a point that's totally gone out of my head. Well, we were talking about, you know, motivation as an artist and yada, yada, yada. And, and um, you know, you, I, I found it interesting. Oh. Yeah. Um, the point I was going to make is it's the, one of the few times I've been brought on to do somebody else's drawings and not yeah. my own. I'm actually familiar with Nathan Love. They did some Pokemon stuff and then they uh, they yeah. did the music video for Eminem and Snoop Dogg where they're the... Yes. The uh, the what do they call them? Uh, NFT apes. I don't know what they're yeah. called. They look like oh, the NFT oh. apes. Uh, uh, Joe Barascano is, I think that's his name for that. He's the head guy there, and he's the nicest, nicest, nicest man on the planet. Um, well, not the nicest, but he's very great. <laughs> Eric Goldberg's the nicest man on the planet. <laughs> um, uh, but if you're looking for someone else's interview, you should go find Joe. He's great. <laughs> well, you've uh, Rusty. Now you've got an assignment. Oh, there we go. Um, it, it what's what's funny is because as you were talking about that and how how you were you know saying you know no no one's going to bring me on their project because they know that they're they're going to get you know you get brought on on a project because people want you yeah like you you are and what's funny about that is um you know i i spent the majority of my career uh really playing the game and really you know just just uh you know i i like being somebody that i considered more talented than me i liked being their right hand man oh sure you know? i totally get and, that and i i was because because in addition to you know i made really good money it it puts you in a position where i was able to take these highly commercial properties and mm -hmm. be in a position where i was able to they're like insert little bits of my own artistic messages into these yeah. things um, but you know, that can only be satisfying for just, for just so long. But what's funny about that is ever since then, you know, you could do what I did and play the game and play ball and do a good job and yada, yada, yada. Years down the road, I would find myself, you know, moving out of LA and I became the king of pilots. I was in oh, pilot, sure. but, and nine times out of 10, they would say, we loved your work on the fairly odd parents. We want this to look exactly like the fairly odd parents. And I would be like, you got it. Yeah. Or, or very recently someone was like we love rick and morty we want this to be just like rick and morty and i did the pilot for rick and morty oh, I'm sure, like, okay. you got it in both of those instances i turned in the work and the client was like this isn't what we asked for and yes. i'm like yes it is I'm like yeah. well it doesn't look like i'm like i'm the guy who defined those looks you don't tell me it doesn't look like like fairly odd parents you weren't the supervising director of fairly odd parents so you <laughs> can play the this is why I can't come make commercials anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. My, no, my, and my, I would have ahead. this all the time. We uh, we want something really, really new and interesting. So I'd come back with a proposal and they go, oh, it's a bit new and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's It falls back on that old, you know, one of the things I feel like we hear a lot is, um, I don't know what I want, but I know this isn't it. Um, yes, let me actually go back to your uh, your um, your original point that I um, please something important that happened to me was this. My art school experience was um, a life changer for me because I studied under three or four people who were all very like minded about this is what an artist is. This is how to think like an artist. This is how to be like an artist. And for me, that was life changing. It was very much like discovering you're adopted it was like <laughs> i knew something was different in my life but i didn't know right. for it <laughs> and they're like oh you're an artist i was like oh that's what it is right so that, was <laughs> a, that was a big big turning point for me and it's how i've tried to tackle everything i make since where i'm interested in making and drawing and i'm more interested in i'm more interested in in being productive than i am making toy story 3 for example <laughs> right because it's under my own terms and because I don't have anyone else telling me what to do. <laughs> right. And to be honest, it probably should have ended with the second one. I feel like, I feel like they're just dragging that out now a little bit as a, as you somebody know, who I grew think, up with the first two, I feel like they're just, it's just money now. I think that, um, Toy Story 2 is beloved, but I, I've actually grown to like it a lot less. Cause yeah. you know, what, you know, what I think Toy Story really works really well. Toy Story works at its best when the toys are in the house doing toy stuff. Absolutely. And yeah. whenever they have to try and be clever and send right. them off on a journey, to me, it becomes far less funny and interesting. Well, what's fun now, see, what's funny about your response to Toy Story 2 is you're, I, um, right around the time I feel like we connected on Twitter, 
um, my daughter became obsessed with Sing and Sing Too. Oh, sure. And, yes, I like that. And and you had commented that that you that you enjoyed those movies um, uh, tremendously. And at the time, because my daughter was literally watching them three times a day, yeah. all I could think was, and this is not a reflection on anyone who made the movie. I understand. It's because I had to watch them over and over and over oh, again. Worry. I have two kids. I understand. Yeah. And and I mean, beyond that, I felt like a lot of the humor was like, oh, here's the audition and here's the, oh, we're going to go through some wacky audition. I could just, I could see it coming from a mile away, but then you pointed out how Muppet-like it was. Oh, the it's, whole, it's basically the Muppets. Yeah. We're going to put on a show. Yeah. And you, so you made, you saved my life because <laughs> you, because this period of her life went on for at least another three months. Mm -hmm. So I had to watch them another 400 times. But every time I would think, no, you know what? Elliot's right about this. This has, this has value. Yeah. I, I got a, I was going to say, I got kind of lucky with, uh, with my, my oldest, uh, he liked Rango and I don't know if y'all have seen that oh. or not, but Rango was really, really oh, good. Oh, Rango. I love Rango. Yeah, and that's what I had to I watch a thousand it. times. So I actually, I was never mad. I was never upset. I was like, yeah, let's put it back on. Let's watch it again. Let's watch it again. That oh, was Rango's one I could watch a hundred times. Rango is, and what's interesting about Rango, go on. Sorry, my youngest is the king. Uh, what's <laughs> interesting about Rango, of course, is that's not directed by an animator. That's oh, I didn't know that. Dubinsky, which is kind of telling that, it take it, it abandons most animation tropes and does yeah. its own weird thing. Yeah. Now I don't, I don't, wait, 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 I don't let me say I actually don't think either of the sing films are great, but they're very entertaining. Sure. <laughs> well, and again, that's that's its own thing. Like like I said, you you wanted to be an artist, I wanted to be an entertainer, and and I think that that's you know this, sometimes those two things can become the same thing. Yes. But on Moss, I don't think it's it's all that common um i think we see it in spite of us but perhaps not a lot of other stuff <laughs> one of the things i wanted to touch on with you as well because because you teach students and yeah. one of the things that i think is unique about your background is like you said you grew up with a whole bunch of different influences mm -hmm. and and you clearly have taken all of that and put it in your work it shows in your work that you are not just a guy who grew up watching dragon ball z no not at all <laughs> and and i think like, that as i tell as i tell my eldest when i first heard about dragon ball z i thought it was called dragon balls <laughs> <laughs> um i'm not sure that i that i felt it that i thought any differently when i first was exposed to it but no it's it's one of the things i think that is a great tragedy in animation education out there is that people tend to uh become partisan you know you oh, are yeah. either into anime or you're into disney or if you're into disney you're not into warner brothers or if yeah. you're into sing you can't possibly also like um uh, the incredibles you know there's there's this whole like sort of bizarre you can't like King of the Hill and Ren and Stimpy. You you well, just can't. You know, I I think that what I'm what I'm going to say can be applied to many 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 things. Right. But but what uh, I think we see there is um, everybody is always looking for their tribe. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's always looking for the flag to wave, and those guys are, uh, who say you can't watch Pixar or you can't watch this, they just they're just with their tribe. That's all they're doing. They're being with their tribe. <laughs> well, now, so vis-a-vis uh, -vis that, um, yeah. what what is your experience like uh, now teaching? And you've been doing you've been teaching animation for how long? And what's what's that been like over the years? What are what are some things that you see repeated in students? What are some you know uh, uh, what are some repeat offender uh, style behaviors you're okay. seeing in animation well, I will, students? I will say broadly speaking. Um, and, and I don't know how different it is outside of the US, but I think the US is particularly insular. But I would say that, generally speaking, I could play 20 short films from my list of short films that I could play, and most of my students would never have seen them. So what I tend to find is, what happens is, you know, you grow up, I mean, Dragon Ball Z is a great example. Pokemon's a better one. Pokemon is perennial. Students of mine have been talking about Pokemon since I started teaching in 2010. And I have joked in class 
that you guys talk about Pokemon for like three or four hours. And then I say, you can't you talk about anything else? And they go, yeah, we can talk about something else. And then within minutes, we're talking about Pokemon again. <laughs> People, I think, generally speaking, for example, Pokemon is a good example. They love Pokemon. They grew up Pokemon. They're possibly in animation because of Pokemon. And they're comfortable with Pokemon. And now they're a young adult in a room full of people, some who are better than them. They're paying off bills. They're trying to survive. And they are hanging on to Pokemon because it makes them feel safe. I see a lot of that. I see a lot of... I see a lot of young people who are... um, You need to shush, Pesty Pants. A lot of young people who are uh, 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 looking for comfort and they're looking for a flag to wave. And because of that, the, I, I think few are encouraged to look beyond what they already know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's Absolutely. what you're saying. And I actually... Uh, I actually speak... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I actually fall in that category. I've been playing Pokemon since 1996. I'm 32, and I still play Pokemon. So there you oh. go. Yeah. And, and probably the worst of these are those who... So he can talk to us. You need to be quiet, Pesty Pants. Uh, and the and the worst offenders are probably those students who are still obsessed with um, Warner Brothers and Disney cartoons and know every little detail because that drives me bananas. I used to be the same when I was a teenager. I used to know right. every Warner Brothers cartoon, who directed what, who was in everything, yeah. who did what scenes. All right, you need to go. Or there's going to be no ice cream. Okay, you need to, <laughs> to do this. These guys are helping me out here. Um, and uh, one day I just realized it doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters. It doesn't matter. Who cares if I know which one's Frizz Freeling directed? Who cares? When I see people arguing about this shit online, it drives me bananas. Well, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, again, to me, and and um, I, I sort of, yeah, I sort of, uh, sorry for doing this. I sort of feel this way about Star Wars. Like whenever anything, whenever people start deconstructing the living shit out of it, uh it i'm taken out of the the fantasy you know it's like and and like i say i like talking about chuck jones i like talking about chris freeling i like talking about those guys too obviously i wouldn't be where i am today if i hadn't sort of studied their work but at the end of the day if i'm gonna sit and watch a bugs bunny cartoon i want to sit and just have it be a bugs bunny cartoon i don't want to sit there and go oh look what chuck did here or you know look what it's it's not only exhausting, it defeats the purpose of what they were trying to do. I don't think any of those guys would want you sitting around going, oh, yeah, look what he did here, you know, all the time. You know, if if you're if what you're making is not distracting enough and entertaining enough to keep you in that moment, then I don't know. As an artist, that would bother me. One of the important experiences I had was um, have you been to the Ottawa Festival? No. Right, the Ottawa Animation Festival. I've been to a million animation festivals. I've been to Annecy a couple of times. I've been to the Ottawa Festival a number of times. And I love, love, love in particular the Ottawa Festival. Because the Ottawa Festival is really a reminder that um, the umbrella of animation is much bigger than than we think it is. Especially students and young people who tend to think animation is Bugs Bunny, Pixar, Disney, anime, right? Right. There's a million other things. You look and yeah. see, well, what is Estonian animation? What is right. what are they doing in uh, China? What are they doing in Jakarta or whatever, right? Right. Uh, and that is really my real interest is like, what, and it's like when I was a kid. What are, what am I looking at that no one else is bothering to see? Right. And um, and uh, the Ottawa Festival really does that for people. But I tend I... to find that students don't. They want to stay comfortable. And often... What I find is, I wouldn't say universally, but broadly speaking, and maybe this speaks of the uh, nature of um, young Americans, is that if you play a film to young people and it is not immediately obvious what it's about, then it is very readily dismissed. Yeah. My response to something I don't understand is almost always, all right, why didn't I get it? absolutely what didn't i why did i not like it what did i not get about it what did i miss here and even with the big films like for example i pick any pixar film that everyone loves right i'll watch it and if i don't like it my thinking is well why didn't i like it what is it that i missed here right right and uh, i find generally speaking uh that the young people tend 
uh, and, and I understand there's the, there's the arrogance of youth. You don't want to seem stupid, but there is very rarely, there's no button, Ella. Um, I know, go ask grandma. Go on. Uh, there's no, I'm sorry about this. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's a part of the show. I like that kind of, you know, know, it's, know. it's a whole part of it all. Yeah. Yeah. We had this, we had the same problem with Rob Renzetti's rabbit, uh, Digby oh, Flopwell. Uh, Digby Flopwell just would not leave us alone. Yeah. No, but I see, what, I, I see what you're saying now. If, and, and this is honestly, this is kind of my last big question. And this has been another show where I have not let Rusty talk at all. I, so. uh, like I said, I'm like DJ Khaled. I'm just bringing it all together to enjoy it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's kind of a two-parter one what's the first thing you would tell uh anyone interested in getting in in taking um classes for animation and two um if someone takes your animation class what are they in for (laughs) (laughs) answer each one of those i would say what do you want to do if you want to take animation classes what do you want to do um do you want even though we, there's a lot of crossover, broadly speaking, when you come out of animation school, you're either animating or you're boarding. There's a lot of people who do both, but broadly speaking, right? right? That sound right to you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And right, right. and I so, I because because when I first started boarding, I started thinking, oh well, this is what I want to do. But it's only in the past few years I've I've realized it's got nothing to do with boarding. I want to tell stories, you know. Okay. So you're you you make an excellent point figure out what you want to do yes yeah. at least what do you want to do now that's a better question yeah. second change right as you just said Absolutely. Right, and then while you're in animation school or whatever you're doing studying on your own hone the skills to get you to that place whatever that might be right. i would also say embrace your limitations because you might actually realize one day i'm not milk carl right i think has <laughs> to learn one day I'm not milk Carl. I can't do that. <laughs> what else can I bring? Right. So that is uh, what I would say. Now, what do you get from my classes? Now, yeah, I've I've signed up. I've signed up for your class. What's the first day like? Uh, chatty. Usually, <laughs> I get to know everyone uh, because I'm in New York. You got to take that out there, look. Because I'm in New York, uh, I have very diverse classes, so I like to find out where everyone's from. Uh, what everyone had for breakfast is a question I ask almost every class. Uh, I teach many different classes, but my main one, my my main goal is how can I show these people a bunch of stuff they've never seen before? How can I tell them the stuff that no one's told them? Because unfortunately, a lot of people who are teaching teaching our industry have not had a lot to do with it and have not had a lot to do with it for a long time, yeah. right? So uh, I see myself as somebody who is involved in both teaching and the industry, which is important. And I think I'm an outlier in a lot of ways in that. So from my class, you will get hints and tips. You'll get encouragement to experiment. Um, You'll be shown a bunch of stuff you've never seen before. I very rarely show, I show one classic cartoon in my class. I play um, Deputy Droopy, my favorite classic short. Nice. Because it's funny and it's designed beautifully but yeah. that's, that's what you'll see you'll see me poo-pooing a lot of stuff that you love but <laughs> not really poo-pooing and i'm just usually not interested in a lot of stuff that the young people are yeah like people the, the young people generally not all but generally love 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 the miyazaki films yeah i, I don't hate them at all but i've never <laughs> found my way in i don't love them that some of them I like, uh, Spirited Away I quite like, but the rest I've never quite found my way into them. Oh, Studio Ghibli is that is that what you're talking about? The Studio Ghibli yes, films exactly. that is huge, especially with millennials. Like uh, a lot yeah. of uh, my age group loves that. I wasn't big into anime as a kid because of the group of people that liked anime weren't yeah. like you know it was it was generally the the I was a nerd, but they were like beyond what was what was nerdy <laughs> usually. So I didn't really nerds. like anime at the time because of the the social group that uh, it kind well, of uh, turned me off of it. <laughs> See, I, I liked it all, and, and like I liked anime, I liked classic Warner Brothers. I, I really just uh, liked it all. I, I think more than anything, it wasn't so much that I loved cartoons as it, I hated real life. But <laughs> um, it 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 raises an interesting point that you can appreciate something without liking it. Oh, absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a point we all miss. I appreciate 
the fact that most Pixar films are made by hardworking people who are deeply, deeply skilled. Yeah. Uh, I don't happen to love many of the films that much. Well, the nature of art is that it's some of it speaks to you and some of it doesn't. And sometimes you can't even hone in on why it speaks to you. You know, I've had, I've had animation friends like big deal. Animation friends say, how could you not like anime? You like racist or something else? Like, <laughs> I don't like it. It's just that I, I can't like everything for start. I, I don't have it in me to like everything. And secondly, yeah. found a way into it yet. Uh, the one yeah. thing I've watched that I quite like my eldest loves uh, one piece. I don't know if you've ever seen one piece. Yeah. 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 Bananas, and I've seen two of those movies, and they're just absolutely outrageous in their um, they thumb their nose completely at <laughs> Western style storytelling, and I do admire them for that. I like that a lot. <laughs> right. See, I'm I used to, um, I used to pretend to like jazz because it's sure. cool. To, it's cool to say you like jazz, and I had to finally, you know, sort of come to the realization. Now, I 100%, I appreciate jazz. I can listen to jazz and go, my God, this is mind-blowing. I get why everybody loves this so much, but it doesn't speak to me for whatever reason. Oddly enough, oddly enough, blues I love. Like, I love blues. So it it just goes to show, you know, again, I I feel like people, it's like you said, they they find their tribe and they find their camps and they want to hang their flag and to me, that's always just a tremendous tragedy when it comes to art, because my goodness, there's lots of it. And there's so many different flavors. I don't know why people don't want to sample them all. I don't know. It's because I mean, the internet gives you an opinion. So you are, here's my opinion, and I'm having it. And yes, God exactly. I might say one day, you know what? I might have changed my mind. I'm wrong. <laughs> I have a different opinion now that I'm five years older, and I'm an adult. <laughs> I, I have I've told my students many, many times one of the most freeing things you can ever do, like once you get in the habit of saying it, my goodness, life just opens up. If you get in the habit of saying, you know what? I was wrong about that. Oh sure. It's part of being an artist. People hate yeah. saying it. They hate saying it, they, my goodness. Oh, no, you know, I think that uh I think that you look at the political state of this country and if people just learn to say, you know what, I was I had no idea what I was talking about. I was yeah. wrong. I was yeah. wrong. I think the, that I think the country would actually be doing a lot better. <laughs> once you do it once, you're suddenly like free. You can do it all the time, and you're, yeah, yeah. you're not you're not mm-hmm. shackled by what you consider to be your coolness or your wisdom. Like, right. I, I love being wrong these days because being wrong means I've learned something. I, I do. My students ask me questions, and I say, "I don't know. I was wrong. Let's find out." <laughs> yep. Elliot, this has been amazing. Um, sure, I, I would, I would really, really love it if you could come back anytime you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be great to have you on again. Uh, uh, we don't have enough time now, but I want to hear more about the uh, the Mormon the the Mormon bit. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. We gotta sure. we gotta get into your individual. We gotta get into your individual films, which which brings us. I guess this will be the very last question. Do you do you do you have a new film? Do you have a feature? Do you have like what's what's something to plate? promote? Do you have anything to to push I don't right have now? Anything to promote other than my artwork. I have been kicking around a um a short film based on a, a classic Australian story called The Loaded Dog for like a thousand years. <laughs> and I finally kind of like kicked it into place and I just have to do something about it. Cool. <laughs> so that might be my next thing I'll see. Okay. What's awesome. it called? The Loaded Dog. It's a fun cartoony story cool. that I would like to animate. Well, I like so, somebody to animate it for me. So, so, so you've been kicking it around for 7,000 in dog years. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of comedy that's made me great all right well uh again elliot thank you so much for coming on yeah i appreciate it thank you so much come back everyone look for elliot's work um i'll put i'll put the link in the description for it but uh it's pretty simple elliot elliot elliot.com and uh it's probably one of the best well-built uh websites i've seen for anybody trying to promote themselves so uh there's all kinds of interviews and artwork and shorts and links to just about everything that you could think of to want to see so it's not hard now that you know where he's at, it's not hard to find him. <laughs> and uh, if if you if you follow both me and Elliot on Twitter, you will see some of the wittiest banter. You will you will, you will come across <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, so uh, appreciate you being on, and that has been another episode of the Animation Conversation. Zig zig ah, party people. <laughs>
And that brings us to the end of another incredible episode of Animation Conversation. We hope you enjoyed this animated adventure as much as we did. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or through good old-fashioned email. We value your input and want to make Animation Conversation a podcast that resonates with animation lovers like you. Our Instagram and Twitter are at Animation Convo. Our YouTube is at Animation Conversation. Our email is theanimationconvo at gmail.com. Before we say our final goodbyes, we want to remind you to stay animated. Keep exploring, appreciating, and sharing the magic of animation with others. Let your imagination soar and let the world of animated wonders continue to inspire and captivate you. Thank you once again for joining us on this incredible journey. Until next time, this is Wubcake, signing off for Animation Conversation. Keep watching, keep dreaming, and keep the animation conversation alive.